0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Views from the Holgate podcast. My name is Don Brown. Thank you very much for joining me. It's not been a very good start to the season for Middlesbrough this year. Winless through the first two games, a draw at home to West Bromwich Albion and then a 3-2 loss to Queen's Park Rangers sees Chris Wilder's side sitting on one point after their opening 180 minutes of football. And Middlesbrough still looking for two strikers to bolster their squad. They're going into the match this week, they've got a Carabao Cup tie against Barnsley and they've also got a tie on Sunday against fellow South Yorkshire side, Sheffield United, Chris Wilder's former side. Borough are also looking to strengthen in midfield and defence. The question we have for this podcast is how much have these two games this season shown that Middlesbrough need to bring in some reinforcements? We're also going to be looking ahead to the two games that are coming up this week. Seeing how well Borough can do in them, predicting them, as well as looking back at these previous matches, assessing them, seeing how Borough can improve, kicking to gear, because Borough really needs to do that. We need to get the first three points on the board if we're going to be challenging at the top of the table like we think we should be. Let's start the Riverside Stadium then, the first game of the season. It was a very open, very good opening 45 minutes for Middlesbrough, and it looked like it was going to be getting even better when, in the 10th minute of the game, Azai Jones arrived at the back post to bundle a cross from Tubarak Pom into the back of the net. Dominated the first half, did Middlesbrough, but only came out with a point after a goal in the second half from West Wombatch Albion. Um, goal from John Swift after a cross from Jed Wallace. Saw the baggy equalise. Uh, both goals in front of the south stand there. Uh, so, chances were from both sides though, throughout the game. After so Borough dominated the first half. Then, where Steve Bruce's West Brom really came back in the second half, they had they had uh, they had their chances really, uh, as well in the second. Uh, uh as well as the, uh, a Borough's goal, we, we had chances through through um Duncan Watmore. We, he missed the, the missed the ball completely. I was going to say miss, missed the goal, but he just didn't even touch the ball. Missed the ball completely from about, about two yards out, as well as he put the ball in the back of the net again, but was judged to be offside. Uh, Zach Stefan also made some great saves, tipping a ball onto the bar, um, and, and also made some made a good um, stop, making himself big in the second half as well to uh, keep make, make sure the game uh, finished one all. The uh, the American goalkeeper uh, had a really good debut. At uh, the side Stadium, uh, as did uh, another debutant, uh, debutant sorry, uh, Ryan Giles at left wing back. His uh, his drive on the left hand side, Giles, and his crossing ability, uh, really complemented uh, Isaiah Jones on the left left hand side. They've got they've got quite similar um, skill sets. Obviously, Jones doesn't really drive as much with the ball anymore. He's he's more looking to be bringing other players into um, into the game, but having that kind of impact on the left-hand side, like we were saying in previous podcasts. Having that ability on the left-hand side to open it up can now bring... means uh, not, he's not going to get double-teamed on that right-hand side. It opens up some space for him, whereas the whole the whole defence shifts away from him. So he can have some more space and he can even show what he does on the right-hand side. He only got one goal last year, whereas obviously, he's now got one goal against West Brom and he also scored in the uh, the last game of pre-season at home to Marseille. And uh, the West Bromwich album game showed that also that uh Borough still do need a good finisher up top as well as some depth in midfield because we really lost that midfield battle in that game and we lost our legs towards the end of it. Uh, Marcus Ford was introduced in that game, Borough's signing that was made just before the match. He came out the pitch with Josh Colburn up front and uh, unfortunately Josh Colburn sustained an injury ...during that game... ...which is rolling out for six to eight weeks... Uh, ...which is probably going to mean... That ...he's not going to get loaned out... ...unfortunately during this window... ...which it would have been good to have... ...for him to have some... Uh, ...experience... ...maybe some, maybe a League One side... ...maybe a Bristol Rovers... ...or a Port Vale... ...would have been... ...good for him to... ...try his hand... ...you know... At, at ...getting some full-time experience... ...up front... Uh, ...but yeah... ...Force didn't really do that well... ...off, off the bench... Um, ...might have been better to see him start... Uh, ...from the beginning... Uh, but that's exactly what we got to see uh, in the next, the very next game against QPR. So uh, when FOR started from the beginning, uh, and the only change to the eleven was he came into the eleven, and then the tuba rack Pom dropped out. But there was one other big change, and that was the first half performance from Middlesbrough, because within the first half, within the first thirty-five to forty minutes, Middlesbrough saw themselves three goals down. Uh, the first goal came from when Chris Willough. Waltz passed Jones and Dyke steel after Jones gave the ball away and he fired the ball in the top corner, leaving um Stefan just uh, Stefan had, had no chance of getting to the ball. Um but then Stefan found himself at fault for the second goal when he elected to try and punch a corner and then got some slight contact from uh, QPR's Jimmy Dunn in the back, definitely nowhere near enough to to be um, seen as a foul. But then uh, but you know, it's one of those ones where if if it's your goalkeeper, you sit, you claim a free kick. If it's your your attacker, you're thinking, why is that being given as a free kick? I think realistically, if it's if it's a couple of years ago, you think it's never a free kick. Nowadays, you're like, hang on a minute, don't keep us get protected now? But like I said, I I, I, I don't think it was a a foul on Stefan. Stefan should have just come up with come up with both hands. If he tried to, I think if he would tried to catch it, he would have at least. Like got some more contact on the ball rather than trying to punch it because he, because he tries to punch it his arms flail out wide whereas if he'd had his hands there he could have at least like batted it down almost and got something on it rather than it, the ball just dropping straight into the back of the net there um, and then uh, the third goal was uh, scored just afterwards against sloppy mistakes from Borough's defence Dyke Steele again uh, possibly at fault along with uh, Mark Bowler Um Ball uh, originally lost Lyndon Dykes, and then Dykes was uh, in behind Dyke Steele uh, to put the ball in the back of the net. And it was uh, almost reminiscent of the goal that Alexander Mitrovic scored for Fulham uh, against us when they beat us one 0 at the Riverside Stadium. I can't remember who he peeled off to score the header. It may—I I don't want to say it was Dyke steel because I can't remember who it was, but I remember there was, they had they had two people on their free kicks, and then they uh, floated a ball uh, into the box. And the, uh, Mitrovic was almost free just to head home. And that's exactly what happened with uh, Lyndon Dykes there. Just was absolutely free just to head the ball past uh, Stefan and goal. Uh, Cook's got a, bo- uh, a goal back for us before before the break. And then uh, at the break, we uh, we made made a few changes. and brought on uh, Paddy McNair and we brought on, crucially, two for up front. Ackbom really made a big difference Actually got involved in the build-up, whereas previously we had Marcus Foss and Duncan Watmore up front, who were both kind of strikers who were looking to get the ball in behind. Um, we were trying to play the ball into the channels, and um, we said on BBC T's when I was listening to the game that they were, we uh, were just like lumping the ball long and playing it down the line, which wasn't going to work against Dunn, a former Burnley defender, and then um, the height of Rob Dickey as well. Uh, bringing on Akpom. That we actually had a target to hit. Um, he contributed a lot more in build-up play and got us a foothold in the game. Um, actually managed to get hold of the ball and spray it out wide, which is exactly what happened uh, for Borough's second goal with Marcus Force. You know, Akpom came deep, spread the ball out to Matt Crooks, who put the ball into the back post where um, where the Finn was there to put the ball into the back post. But despite a, a late push for Borough, we couldn't get the third goal to equalise. And then there, Dara Lenehan. Uh, his uh, red card meant the borough ended up with 10 men uh, so he's going to be suspended well, he's definitely suspended for the Barnsley game uh, I believe it was straight red so he may be suspended for longer than that he might get three match banning might come out between Barnsley and the Sheffield United game um, but if it well it was a denial of a goal scoring opportunity so it was straight red um, so we'll have to find out what um, punishment he gets for it but despite losing 3-2 there was actually some positives to take from that game and the um, the number one positive to take away from that game was really the um, the performance of Tubuak. Problem in the second forty five minutes, yeah. Hashtag Chewback was was being used by a few uh, people and a few accounts after the game, which is uh, just showing his resurrection, uh, uh, similar to when Pogba signed for Man United. Let's hope he plays a bit better than Pogba has done for Man United um, or did for Man United before he went and left them, but. Um, so when Wilder joined uh, Borough last November, uh, players like Ipiaso and, and Piero were in there, and they had their chances. They did, hasn't, had, they haven't taken them, and they've obviously been told or oh, they have moved on. Um, but players like Akpom and like Coulson uh, have been given their chances in pre-season. Coulson obviously is unfortunately uh, not been deemed to be the right kind of standard for the championship not standard for Chris Wilder. But it's great for Aqua and credit to him to have actually taken his chance. Um, uh, with with both hands, really. Uh, he's he's just proved to be that the kind of striker that we need. He's got some pace about him. He's got some height, and maybe he maybe he wasn't an actual Warnock kind of striker. I think it um it was said wasn't it when Warnock was around. Warnock was like, oh, I, "I yeah, I didn't really want him as a striker. Like the transfer committee signed him for me." And this was a chance committee, like well before we had Kieran Scott in charge. So it's just a happy little coincidence that we've got a striker there that has um has like plugged plugged a hole, and he's, he's done well for himself. Just like so actually managed to, you know, because because Wilder wanted to put him out in the court, but we've actually you know what it's hard to find a striker this like at this point in time. So we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna just you know. We're going to reap those benefits. Uh, he's also solved uh, a headache for us because obviously we were looking for for those uh, different forwards and stuff um, uh, for this year. So Akpom's a, he's, he's, he's solved a problem. Uh, he's he's bridged a gap, sorry, almost Akpom by by uh, by coming in and helping us out for this year because because you know if if he's good enough to get us promoted for for this season if he if he has a good year for us he might not be good enough to take us forward for next for next season. But if we if we were to go out and sign a striker, uh, someone we have been linked to, like uh, Matthew Hop or uh, like Jorgen Strand-Larsen, they might not have been the, the, uh, the players we would have been looking for if we were a Premier League team, if we got promoted, for example. So if we have uh, Akapom to bridge, the, bridge of the gap, that's one less position we've spent money on. We've like, put an outlay on, so we, like, how much money if we spent €12 million Euros on Strand-Larsen and then actually he's not good enough for the Premier League. Don't worry, we've not spent that much money, we can then spend that next year on whoever it's, it might be, striker-wise, you're looking at next year. If we were in the position of somebody who got promoted last year, that money could have gone towards, like, a and Diaz or somebody like that, like, who is a striker available now, if you're a Premier League side looking for a striker, if you get what I'm saying. So, it's a, it, this, is, this is a place we can revisit next year. Uh, Akpom is just a player who's, help, who's helped us plug a gap for the time being. Speaking of next year's transfers, let's uh, look a little bit closer at home and concentrate on what's happening just at the moment. Uh, One link that's come about, uh, just as I'm recording this podcast, is that Middlesbrough have been linked with a loan move for West Bromwich Albion's Alex Mote. The Daily Mail sport have been claiming that the 27-year-old is wanted by Middlesbrough to replace uh, Marcus Tavernier, who's left to join uh, Bournemouth, obviously. And he could be loaned in by Chris Wilder to provide some cover for Riley McGree, and obviously he would be adding some steel to the engine room. Uh, I think Malick could be a great addition to the team. He would be obviously another leader to the side. He's previously captain Barnsley um, to their playoff uh, on their on their playoff run. Um, if we had him in there, we'd have, we'd have Tommy Smith, we'd have Daryl Lenehan and we'd have. Um, uh, Mowat who have been previous captains for other sides, other championship sides so we, we'd have gone from last year just having obviously we'd have, Bam, have Bamber, but and Housing as well who were previous captains to having you know three or four really good leaders in that side and this is what Wilder was saying last year we don't actually have leaders so as well as being a good midfielder he solves a leadership problem, uh, he's good on set pieces which we lost with Tav on corners um, I think he'd, he'd be really good getting up and down as well for the uh, midfield as well he 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 adds that little bit of box to box that we're missing at the moment with McGree. um, but I think the only uh, trick we're missing, the problem I have with this deal, is that we're not going after him on a on a permanent basis. He's twenty seven years old at the moment, so he's just coming into his prime. He's not currently fancied by the West Brom manager Steve Bruce, and he is um, he's been sat on the bench for them, uh, and and Borough have got twenty four million pounds in the bank. Um, from the two from the sales of Tavernier and the sales of Spence, um, if he's if say, Steve Bruce wasn't to stay there for, because obviously Steve Bruce gives you the kind of vibe of, of, of Warnock and Pulis, like you don't know how long he's going to stay at a club for. If he's not fancy, if he's if he is fancied by their next manager, who comes in after Steve Bruce, say, if he comes, if that is in the next summer window, and say if Burrow don't have the money in twelve months' time to pursue this deal, then. You might we, might we might we might get him for twelve months and then not be able to get him next year. But if we were able, they got him for free. If we were able to to uh, part ways with four million, three million, for somebody who sat on the bench of of, of um, the West Brom side, surely you could tempt them into that. Surely you could say, well, you know what? Because I imagine you'd be on a decent amount of wages. You'd have to maybe say to him, right, okay, we'll give you a signing on fee, but you have to take less wages to join us or we'll give you a, a price increase, a wage increase if we get promoted. Um, You'd have, you have to give him like, given that to try and come here, but I don't see why he wouldn't be a, a smart a smart idea to do that. You'd have to get him to agree to that. I don't see why that wouldn't be smart. I think I think this is the best time to pursue that kind of deal. And I also think with Alex Moore as well, obviously he's, um, he's previously played in a more reserved role than he would be playing in that kind of eight position previously. I've not seen that much of him unless I've... And he's not really stood that lot. I might have, seen, might have seen him a little bit, maybe once or twice, when he was like... I've watched a, an unfortunate Borough game against Barnsley when it's just been absolutely terrible. and I've not, I've not enjoyed myself. It's like I always seem to do whenever I go to walk well. Um, it's, always, it's always cold and we always seem to play terribly. But um, what I'm trying to say is, I've not watched him when he's really stood out, so I, could, I couldn't tell you his play style, but one would imagine he could possibly, if you sign him on a permanent, take up the house and roll maybe in the... In a year or so's time, uh, if House was to leave after this year, obviously you've got McNair who could possibly step into that, but you've got another player who, you know, you could say, right, we've got Mowat who could uh, pull back into this kind of uh, six or four role, you know, protecting the defence, the kind of defensive midfielder role at the base of midfield. Um, It, it, it would be another option uh, there too if, if, if House was to uh, miss some games this year. So I just feel like it would be a good investment perhaps if um, again if borough had the uh, the ability to do it and obviously it this, this would be going forward so that would be if we did that on a permanent basis so uh, I think I think yeah I think that would be a very good deal for us to to pull off if we're going for some experience experienced head in midfield who is uh, a good leader but a deal for uh, another transfer Middlesbrough chasing is a deal for the uh, American striker a deal for the American striker Matthew Hopp from uh, Real Mallorca in Spain. Um, it could well be in place by the time Borough take on Sheffield United on Sunday. He should be going, going to be on Sky Sports. He's reportedly waiting on, on, in national clearance before he joins the T-side outfit. Um, we mentioned about him before when we were looking at the signing of Marcus Force as well, but I thought, you know what, I didn't actually do too much of a little deep dive into him and we don't know too much of what he's like as a player. So I had a little look online to see what kind of play style he's like, if anybody's done any kind of analysis on him. So I found uh, a website called totalfootballanalysis.com who profiled the American in January 2021 when he was leaving uh, Bundesliga outfit uh, Schalke, although it might in the second Bundesliga outfit at that time. But um, what they were saying is uh, about, about how he plays. They said, they said that Matthew Hopp plays on the shoulder of defenders and possesses good pace and height for his position. They said he, may, he anticipates well, and makes uh, runs along the back of defence, so then looks to go in behind, So, which is ironically a lot of those kind of runs that I think we've seen strikers like Sparrow make before when they've been ignored, (laughs) I remember seeing a lot of them last season from Sparrow, I think uh, Connolly might have made a few of them, although uh, I think Connolly stopped running towards the end of his uh, time with us, but I have seen people make those kind of runs for Borough before and definitely not be rewarded but that's what he likes to play on the shoulder of the defence. He anticipates well so we need to make sure we look for those runs in behind for him. Um, so and he, he also likes to do it to make sure he gets out wide and gets it, uh, into the box. He, he did that for uh, when he scored a hat-trick for Schalke which were three just the five goals he scored that season for them. Um, he he that he made those runs each of the three times he scored a goal. So uh and he's still young. Uh it, so th- a three million pound investment could be good. Uh, if we ha- if we played if we were to play him, he would be one of those kind of strikers looking to go in behind, as opposed to somebody like Akpom who would be sitting deeper. So it could be good to have a little bit of variation uh, for them in the striker positions. Uh, and and if it, if it, if he's reportedly just going to cost three million dollars, uh, then it could be a gamble uh, worth taking at this point with a what did with cash. The uh, the Gazette writer Craig John stated that Borough supposedly want two two strikers to come in, including the signing of Matthew Hopp. They also wanted to sign uh, FC Groningen striker Jorgen Strand Larsen, uh, but apparently Groningen's valuation of twelve million euros was too much for the T-siders who wanted to spend around eight million euros. Um. If this is the case and Borough do want to sign two more strikers, including Hop, that will leave them with five first-team strikers, not including Colburn or so six including Colburn. Five at the club at the moment. That would be Duncan Watmore, two Brackpom, Marcus Fors, Matthew Hop, and then X other striker would be that Larson or somebody else. Um, Borough seem to kind of play with two forms of striker at the moment. You'd say that Hop. Force and Watmore are all the kind of in behind strikers, like the little of the little and larges. Um because Watmore Watmore is your harrying striker that closes down. Force likes to play on the shoulders of defenders and then uh is a finisher, and Hop sounds like he's a kind of uh speedy striker who wants to play off the, off the shoulder of defenders and is looking for balls in behind as well. Um Akpon and and then Whoever you, another person you want to bring in, you'd imagine would be the kind of target man, hold up striker, the kind of Andras Sporra type that would, or he certainly did at the beginning of his time at Borra, would look to get the ball and move on to another striker and then arrive late in the box. Um. You'd want a kind of bit of variation in that uh, play because if, if Corburn did, did come back Corburn wouldn't his um, interplay isn't really the best as well so you couldn't really have five strikers who are all wanting to get in behind on, on the shoulder of the defence and then just and just Akpom who wants to, the ball to his feet because we had that a, a bit last year where we had, when Spora didn't play very well no one could really play the Spora role because if you had Balogun you wanted to play a wide left so did Connolly really that's why you had to play a lot more so often so you need the kind of strikers that are going to fit the system. Um, and if you, don't have, if you don't have that available to you, I think that's why we, we struggled towards the end of the season because we couldn't interchange our forwards that well. We couldn't make our forwards fit the system that we wanted to. So we have to make sure the person that comes in is the right person for this role. We have to hope you haven't left it too late. And again, this is why the uh, ACPOM has done so well to get into this side, because if we didn't have Akpom here, we'd be really looking and saying, oh, who would we play in this position? Um, because while as Wilder said before, he doesn't like Ike um, and he he doesn't want him in this kind of position of. He doesn't want to have he doesn't sorry Wilder doesn't want to be in the position of having Ikpiazu, in in and around the squad, because he he wants somebody who can last a full ninety if he needs to, and he wants to have some kind of physical presence, in terms of, speed and mobility. He doesn't want to just have like a hulking striker up front. He wants somebody who can run about the pitch a bit, whereas it appears it was just a battering ram through the middle, which was fun to see at times. I remember him getting a free kick given against him for holding off two players at once and getting fouled. But then he got the free kick given against him because he was so strong. But, um, yeah, so that, he does need that other kind of striker who can get the ball to his feet, start attacks and go forward. And it can't be Andres Sporak because he's just trying P.E.L.K. OK. So let's look ahead then for Middlesbrough. Uh, they've got two games coming up this week. Uh, obviously Barnsley and the Carabao Cup. I won't predict that one because I am worried about being wrong. <laughs> I'm recording this on a Tuesday, but we've got a very limited amount of time. Obviously, there'll probably be a little bit of um, mixing and matching for that game, I imagine. Just with, uh, obviously, Wilder hasn't uh, switched his team around too much these first two games. Um, one would imagine... You'd see some youngsters getting some games. I don't think it'll be to the extent like we saw for uh, for Neil Warnock last year when he played a complete B team against, um, uh, was it Blackpool? I believe, yeah, Blackpool he played a complete B team against. Uh, One would imagine you'd see Liam Roberts uh, get a starting goal. Uh, You might see someone like Brian Belongo playing defence because he he had a good uh, pre-season, but yeah, Tommy Smith might get a game. Um you might see Paddy McNair and Dale Fry build up some of their uh fitness. Well you'll, you'll definitely see Dale Fry because of Darren Lanahan's suspension. But I mean you'll have you'll have the same midfield three unless you play someone like Hayden Hackney or Joe Gibson in there. Uh you, you might give uh you might give Force and Akpoma go up front because uh they probably need to build up some of their fitness and as well um I, I would be playing them, uh starting them going forward because they've Obviously, four scored against QPR, and Aquaman really changed the game coming on. Um, and, and if you do that, that then allows you to have what more, as the like striker who comes on off the bench, and that's when he really did well last year, especially in games against like Peterborough, etc. So, um, I won't give you too many predictions for that game, but we will then look ahead past that game to the Sheffield United really important game in the Championship. Sheffield United have got uh, three points so far. That comes after a one nil loss to Watford, and then a two nil win. Over Millwall, I think that if like, Borin need to put it together soon, but if they can do that, I think um, with with the quality in the side, obviously we are still molding the side together. We should be able to uh, get one over on Sheffield United's old, uh, sorry, Sheffield United's old side. Chris Wilder's old side, Sheffield United. So um, the starting eleven I'm predicting Borough to have for that game will be Zach Seffen in goal. I think he'll stick with that. Anthony Nixey at right centre back despite some of his. Uh, Questionable uh, actions against QPR. Um, got, I think it's Alb Al- Dale Fry in the centre. If Daryl Lenhan is fit, uh, not fit, sorry, if that, it, it not suspended, I imagine he'll shift him over to what, towards one of the sides, possibly left centre back. Uh, if not, I've we'll Paddy McNair there. I've got Ryan Giles on the left side with I- I- Isaiah Jones, right wing back. I've got Matthew Crooks, right centre mid. Johnny Housen in the centre, and then Riley McGree, left centre mid. With two Akpom and Marcus Force up front, because like I say, I'm hoping they could be, uh, the create a good partnership together, um, and then just and then, yeah, if they create, if they can create a create good partnership with Force off the back of Akpom, and um, then yeah, we could have uh, a good little strike force going there. And the last four predictions for the match. Um, it's obviously going to be a tough fixture for the Borough, but it's one of the ones that, um. If the Borough are going to be looking for getting up towards the playoff spots, or even at our max, towards the end of the season, uh, A, we need to be beating teams that are going to be up there towards the end of the season, and we really need to get the first points on the board, uh, the first three points on the board. So, with that being said, I am going to go for a 2-1 Middlesbrough victory. Uh, I am going to say that goals are going to be scored by... Let's go. Let's go. Um, Tubarak and let's go Isaiah Jones for Middlesbrough. And then let's say that the goal for Sheffield United will be scored by John Egan. Uh, I'll say I'll say they're going to score a goal for set piece, and John Egan's going to get the header. Um, I don't know why this came to me. I was going to say Sander Berger but I'm saying John Egan, and I don't know why I'm saying his name like John Egan. But <laughs> anyway. Uh, that's going to be all for uh, this uh, Views from the gate podcast, guys. If you have enjoyed this podcast, I know I say it every week, but please do give us a rating. It just helps out so much. You can't imagine it. Um, if you are on Spotify, if you scroll back up to the top, right just under the picture, you should see the little five-star button. Uh, if you click it on there, you can give us five stars. Same on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast provider you should be on. There should be a really easy way because everybody wants to be rated five stars. It should just be a little easy way to give us five stars. That would be great. If you found us on Instagram, twitter or facebook wherever you are if you would give us a share retweet whatever you can do that would be absolutely amazing um if you found us found wherever you are uh you can find our links on our little link tree page so if, if you found us on twitter go, find out, go back to where you found us you can find all of our links out of our facebook we've even got twitter there uh twitter <laughs> obviously we've got twitter what i was gonna say is we've even got tiktok so guys if you want to follow our tiktok page you can do i have i've not done any funny dances there yet Uh, but you you know what, if I get enough followers, if I get uh, enough followers on on TikTok, uh, I'll start doing funny dances, but guys, that's going to be everything uh, for this podcast, thank you very much for listening to this one, I'll be back next week with another one, Uh, thank you very much guys, I'll see you later, bye.